0: Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and tonight we are reviewing all the afternoon action from a very exciting week 12. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving, but you know what? Fantasy playoffs are right around the corner, and we got some new shit to learn and continue to figure out. As always, I'm joined by none other than PFF Zone Dwayne, the Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, how was your Sunday? man it's going great uh it's pretty
1: you know interesting slate today you know uh the late ones kind of got off to a rocky start but things picked up in the second half for those games so I was definitely had some DFS interest
0: today Ian for sure there you go it was one of those days man where I feel like if you hit on a couple of the explosions like it was probably one where I don't know I don't know about you but like I always tell myself like don't look at your earnings until we're done like don't even do that but Every single time, like, if I had Leonard Fournette on one team, and of course, like, halfway through the third quarter in that game, like, I'm checking the lineups, and now I'm just tilting my face off the entire time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you had Fournette, it was a very good day today.
0: Yes, that is true. Well, we will get to Lombardi-Lenny here in a little bit. We're going to kick things off with the Bengals and Steelers. And as always with this, I'm going to quickly run through things that I saw in the games while trying to watch every bit of action today. Some shishas, injuries, general cool moments, and also a PFF Lily. Matchup stat before I throw things back over to Dwayne, who has all the utilization goods that you guys always check out every week in his critically acclaimed and award-winning utilization report. I mean, if it's not award-winning, it freaking should be. So what? <laughs> whatever anyway Bengals 41 steelers 10 not even close in this one since he covered with these over cashed at 53 and a half so yeah big ben even more horrendous than usual week five um, excuse me, week high, five turnover worthy plays. It was bad. I mean, he got bailed out a couple times deep by Chase Claypool because Claypool's awesome. And the touchdown at the end to Pat Fryermuth was one of the best catches of the day. But it was like, Ben, you can't keep making this honey hole throw down the sideline when the safety's coming over. The amount of just times he tried that was honestly nauseating, as was the Steelers' insistence on keeping Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool out there for the entire time. I get it. Deontay was like under 50 yards until probably five minutes left in the fourth quarter. So the fantasy manager in me says, hey, that's great, keep feeding my guy targets. But the fan in me, and also just like the rational person in me, says, let's not get him hurt again on a meaningless play like you've already done this year. So I don't know what was going on with that. But either way, Deontay keeps on keeping on continues to rack up 50 plus yards like there's no tomorrow nine straight games with that only matched by cooper cup this season only other main note from the steelers offense because they scored 10 freaking points and largely sucked today was Najee harris season low let's see he had 8 11 total touches that was the first time he was under 15 all year long It was a dud, and I'm honestly kind of surprised given the overall putrid state of the Steelers' offense this year that we haven't seen more duds from Najee. That just goes to show you how great that sweet, sweet volume can be more interesting is the Bengals side of the ball joey burrow 20 for 24 just 190 yards touchdown a to pick but the day could have been even bigger he hit t higgins for what would have been their second touchdown together about 20 yards out they ruled it a touchdown originally came back and said he was just short so you're not complaining if you're t higgins manager six catches 114 yards and a score anyway on just a BEA, beautiful 32 yard loft down the sideline but yeah truly could have been even bigger for both parties involved it was hard for anyone to really ball out when Joey Mixon 165 yards on the ground and a pair of scores ended up being our highest grade running back of the week, I believe so far, because 127 of those 165 rushing yards came after contact all year long. Joe Mixon has really been balling out, Dwayne. A lot of it has been volume, but he's also been carving out, you know, making dudes miss, getting yards after contact on his own as well. So Joe Mixon, someone that we really drafted and as a late first, early second round back back in August for the volume, it's been good to see him also have these games where he comes on and just shows that, hey, he can be a baller in his own right get by on more than just raw touches. Um I mentioned the T Higgins Sheesh. It does suck that Auden Tate is still sidelined with the thigh, but the Bengals are figuring out a way around it. And that is gonna about wrap it up on my end of things, Dwayne. With this one, we did see a little more Chris Evans involved. Now my dogs are not happy about Chris Evans being involved. But Dwayne, is this something where it was still the Joe Mixon show? Or are we actually now seeing Evans really start to displace Samaj Ryan as the number one backup? Because at, even though Piran is valuable, man, if Evans could get that job to himself, I just think his ceiling is a lot higher because we've seen him flash as a receiver so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really looks like it's going to be a split between the two. Um, you know, if, if we were to see a situation where Joe Mixon went down, p ryan and evans are both really involved my guess is p ryan would take over the short down and distance early down work chris evans would really get the passing down work um you know this week 86 percent of the two-minute offense actually went to joe mixon um the long down and distance went to p ryan uh, but then you saw chris evans rotating a little bit you know as well so but i mean mixon getting 74 percent of the rushing attempts like you mentioned today he didn't have to change his point of attack ever like so the hole he was running to is the hole he ran through every single time he ran today so anytime you have a back that gets that where they they can have that confidence right and where they're going and where the block's supposed to be um, it typically works out really well especially from a yards after contact standpoint which is what you already kind of hit on with Mixon, but 4.79 yards per attempt after contact like that's just that's that's insane you know that's that's ridiculous so um yeah mixon locked and loaded i mean look he just he scored two touchdowns i think this is the fourth week in a row that he scored two touchdowns so i mean he's he's in great shape from that standpoint he was actually utilized a little bit in the passing game today we haven't seen that as much lately but 17 percent of the targets did go through mixon 24 of targets per route run as far as the rest of the bingles really another person i want to hit on is t higgins like you mentioned um I mean, could have been an even bigger game, you know, with another touchdown. But we've been talking about this. Like, his underlying utilization has actually been really strong. His targets per route run were actually 1% higher. You know, whatever, tomato, tomato. It was, like, close anyway with Jamar Chase. But technically, it was 1% higher. And we knew this boom game was coming for T. Higgins. And I think people just probably lost, you know, Lost faith though, Ian. You know, to be honest, I had a ton of T. Higgins questions, like names <laughs> that I would never think people would be asking me about over T. Higgins. And Insulting. I
0: salty like start sick questions.
1: Yeah. And, and really, like, he hasn't been bad. Like, he had last week was a bad week, but the two weeks before that, both of those weeks, he was in the top 36 for sure. I think he was actually in the top 24 both of those weeks. So, T. Higgins continues to cook 73% of the air yards today, 30% of the targets, targeted on 29% of the time he was in a route. Um, You know, he and Joe Burrow are locked in like as far as the top three targets with Burrow 100% Catchable to Boyd 100% catchable to chase 86% of the targets to T Higgins were catchable So those are all great 17.9 a dot today for T Higgins where we've really seen Jamar Chase getting used more down the field today T Higgins got some of that love Um, Jamar Chase was actually used much more underneath his a dot was only a 2.3 today on the Steelers side of the ball Najee Harris, this is the first game Ian. This is this is from a utilization standpoint. Where we really didn't see him just totally dominate everything. Now part of this was just the game script late in the game. I just think they didn't want to risk anything with Harris. Um, but we didn't. We saw him get 53 percent of the rushing attempts, but only 58 percent of the snaps. Usually he's up around 70, 75 percent of the snaps. But I wouldn't sweat it. I think it was just based on the game. It was. Just, it's a bad game. You're just going to write this one off for Najee Harris. You just move on in the next one. But this is the third or fourth week in a row where we've seen the efficiency thing be an, be a, an issue, despite the fact that he's seeing plenty, you know, of utilization and plenty of work. Um, Pat Fryermuth did get up to sixty-six percent of the routes. We'd like to see that around eighty percent because we have no Eric Ebron, yeah. but we've got Zach. Gen- we've got Zach Gentry. You've got to get Zach. Gen- you got to get Zach Gentry his routes. Like it's it's written in a manual somewhere. You know, it's probably up next to the Jimmy Graham no trade clause. <laughs> somewhere in there. But Zach Gentry, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to figure out like what your what your bit is with whenever you talk about Zach Gentry, but gotta get him in some routes. Uh you already mentioned everything on Johnson and Claypool. I mean, just real quick on Johnson. I mean again, man, thirty six percent of the targets, like don't know it's 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 crazy to see this guy at like 35 percent of the targets every single week like he's pretty much like in keenan allen territory now ian that's kind of what i think of when i think of deontay johnson it's a guy that can get open um, underneath intermediate tough to handle in man coverage knows how to sit down in the zone and his quarterback is in total lockstep with him so deontay johnson Like, for those of you that are still wondering, like, oh, well, Deontay Johnson, like, I think the comp really is Keenan Allen. Like, that's who I would comp him to from the way he gets used and stylistically the way he plays. Not quite as big as Keenan Allen, but probably a little faster than Keenan Allen at this point in his career. So if you've got Deontay Johnson on your fantasy squad, despite the fact that Ben has been playing terrible and the Steelers are struggling, like, he just comes through every week because of this target share.
0: 13 plus targets in six of his last eight games these are astronomical Dwayne, we finally saw t higgins come back around obviously chase didn't have the day a lot of people were hoping for only three targets though i get it if we don't want to rank him like as a legit top six top eight receiver for a little bit still an every week starter at worst upside wide receiver too though right
1: Yeah, yeah 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 he's we know he can come through i mean and i was actually looking at a bunch of this stuff on chase um, he's kind of he's and we talked about it a little bit last week. He is a little bit more of a boom bust type play. We've just been fortunate. We've not had many big busts. right? Typically, he'll still come through with at least a wide receiver three output for you on the games that he doesn't hit. So this will really be one of those first games where, you know, you just get the three catches for the 39 yards he's probably not, he won't be in the top 36. So he was kind of due for one of these. Like, it's going to happen. We can't expect these players, you know, to just never have a complete dud. So to be honest, it's like, get your dud with Chase out of the way and let's just move forward.
0: And you know, next week he could be in the top six. To Dwayne's point, Worst performance of the year was wide receiver 39 back in week two. He has finished inside the top 31 wide receivers in every other game. Chill out. We got the Higgins bounce back. Chase, I'm sure won't be too far behind. Dolphins took down the Panthers 33 to 10, covering as a one and a half point dog over cashed easily at 41 and a half after free falling throughout the week. Yeah, not not great with Cam. Tough to say he was uh, too back after this one. It started out well, Dwayne. They got down by the goal line. Cam punched it in. He threw a 64-yard bomb to DJ Moore. Vibes were high. Things were looking good. And the man just really couldn't complete any passes after that. Five for 21, just 92 yards on the day. Pair of interceptions that even a stand like me would be hard-pressed to blame on anyone other than Cam out there. So, eventually did get replaced by P.J. Walker. We need to see what's going to happen moving forward. I would think that Cam won the job and might have a little bit longer leash, but we'll need to pay attention to what Matt Rule and Joe Brady are saying throughout the week in this one. At a minimum, that low-end QB1 tag we were hoping to ride with with Cam for most of the year is probably going to need to get back down the QB2 territory just because we know that leash might not be as long for him moving forward. So just a really rough day. PFF's lowest-graded quarterback on the week before Sunday night football. Um, And, yeah, at least DJ Moore did get over that 100-yard mark, had 10 targets on the afternoon. But, Dwayne, at this point, he might be the only guy we can use in this offense, period. Robbie Anderson was, again, a ghost. Terrence Marshall was a healthy scratch at this point. And our guy, Christian McCaffrey, unfortunately, suffered an ankle injury and was wearing a walking boot on his left leg after the game. Did not receive a single second-half touch. So that's why CMC busted. So please get better, CMC. Hopefully, this will be the only true dud of the year for Cam. But, hey, we don't know, man. It makes sense that someone that just came off the street a couple weeks ago probably isn't going to be a hundred percent upside each and every week we will see what happens in future matchups but shout out to our guy at least a guy to uh, another efficient day I mean you look at him he's only had 10 total incompletions over the past two weeks I get it his average target depth. you're going to see you know right there with the Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world but you know what behind again the single worst offensive line in the league and pressure rate it's not really the worst offensive strategy when you got guys like Jalen Waddle to help turn little gains into big ones Dwayne which was something we've been waiting for him to do all year long did that today busting a slant 57 yards not quite in the house because maybe one of the only guys in the National Football League and Dante Jackson was able to run him down there. Dante Jackson, I, the NFL did this like 40-yard um, dash like competition, I think it might have been last summer, it was within the last year or two and I'm pretty sure Marquise Goodwin, who is a legit Olympic track star was the only guy that could knock off Dante Jackson so awesome game for Waddle 137 yards and a score on a contested catch, actually had a week-high three contested catches on the afternoon, so great stuff seeing that out of him and more and more really starting to emerge as not only just a low end wide receiver too but someone that is flirting with wide receiver one outcomes here and there as well great to see from the nfl drafts number six overall pick um and miles gaskin can't forget about our guy even weak didn't even matter he off two touchdowns they like to use him in the wildcat by the goal line which hey it worked so screw it keep doing you he'll continue to be a volume-based rb2 for as long as malcolm brown is out I mentioned the CMC injury. Final note I had here is our PFF stat goes to Jalen Waddle on pace this year. 17 games, so cheating a little bit compared to what we've seen in the past. But still, 109 receptions, 1,075 yards, and seven total touchdowns. Great year to be a Jalen Waddle fantasy manager. But, Dwayne, we did see not Duke Johnson, unfortunately, but a different running back start to really make his name in this Miami backfield. That is Philip Lindsay. had 12 carries in this one. It did seem like a lot of it, though, was coming in garbage time. This one was 33 to 10. Again, and the Dolphins held a 21-10 lead at halftime. So I know it's Sunday night. I'm not sure if you've had a chance to really dig into the quarter by quarter splits. Everyone can check out utilization report for that information, usually out on Tuesday afternoons. But Dwayne, did you get any real details about Gaskin's workload because, as it stands, man, the way things are going, he's becoming more and more of an auto start by the week.
1: Right. Yeah. You saw Lindsay get 32% of the rushing attempts today. Um, So I'm pulling it up right now. In the fourth quarter, Hang on, let me switch over here. to. And, and just, just so
0: everyone knows, Salvin Ahmed was healthy. He was active this game. He was healthy last game, but he was scratched. They had Patrick Laird and Duke Johnson running out there instead. So the Miami backfield of the week was Gaskin, Lindsey, and Ahmed this time. Yeah,
1: so Lindsey had 12 attempts on the day. Five of those came in the fourth quarter. So almost half of them. Um, if you look at him in the third and fourth quarter, because this game was kind of out of hand pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, so 10 of his 12 attempts came in the third and fourth quarters. So pretty much, you yeah. know, in those, and I think that whole time I'd have to go back and look for sure, but I'm pretty sure the dolphins were ahead by 10 or more that whole time because this game they was were. out of hand early. Yeah. So um, we'll have to keep, we'll have to keep an eye on it, but it does look like it might've been just more of a closer kind of thing, given Gaskin a little bit of, you know, rest, but, you know, I think we could argue Lindsay's probably, I would think he's the second most talented back on the offense now so i still even though this was just closer time i wouldn't worry about it so much as hurting gaskin but i do think that if you're going to roster in a deeper format like another back on the dolphins like the only one worth doing is probably lindsey the others can all you know you're not going to keep them on your roster so he was out there for only 20 percent of the snaps so again that's kind of another tell that it was really just more around this four minute offense kind of hey let's just get everybody on the bus and get back to the to the hotel kind of thing. Uh, well I guess this was a home game for the Dolphins, so don't have to go to the hotel. Get just get everybody home safe, Ian. You know what I mean? There um, we go. yeah, so Jalen Waddle, thirty <laughs> two percent target share, sixty seven percent of the air yards, five yards per route run today, like that, so that's pretty good. Um operated mostly from the slot again, fifty six percent of his time. Zero shots down the field, no no targets over 20 yards but he did a lot of it today obviously you know on yards after the catch he averaged eight yards per per reception after the catch today so Jalen waddle was doing Jalen jaylen waddle stuff that we saw at alabama and we're finally starting to get to see some of that it's two weeks in a a row where we've really seen him you know kind of pop from a standpoint of just watching him you know play and seeing that speed uh mike gasecki was out there 89 percent of the routes unfortunately just didn't come through in the box score today three targets 17 yards but again, like there's two targets on the team. It's Jalen Waddle and it's Mike Gesicki. So you know you're just going to stick with it. This can happen, um, but but he's playing plenty. Um, and it's a team that passes all the time. So I, I know it sucks. Um, but these are the kind of players that are tough to get off of, right? You know, it's one thing if we see a player going down and their utilization and everything else is going down too, and it's like okay, fine, we're done. But this is truly the type of tight end where when you're looking at it, it's like. Okay, like it's eventually going to come back around. Like he's going to have some huge games still coming down the stretch. I know that it's tough to kind of make your way through these. On the Panthers side of the ball, Ian, so here's the development. So we know McCaffrey is in the walking boot. And I don't know that we're going to see the same thing that we saw early in the year from Chuba Hubbard. Um, So today it was really all about Amir Abdullah. So you had the Panthers trailing. um, So... Yeah, we're going to see more of you know Chuba Hubbard whenever they're not in just a trailing game script. But the bottom line is, we know that they're whichever both of these backs are probably going to be game script dependent. So Abdullah was out there for 100% of the two-minute offense, 73% of the long down-and-distance. He actually handled 75% of the short down-and-distance, um, was in a route, 57% of plays. So really, he's the guy that might have the more insulated role moving forward. Um, it could still be Chuba. We'll have to see. My gut is that Chuba will still start games and he'll probably be handling most of the early downs. But if things get out of hand, I think we could see things go to more to Amir Abdullah and we could just see Abdullah pretty much handle all the passing down work. Um, And we kind of saw that earlier in the season too, right? A couple of games where Chuba didn't get that passing down work. And Abdullah, he's actually really good at that. So I think that's going to be a situation that we'll have to kind of keep an eye on. So for those folks thinking about what they're going to do about McCaffrey or thinking how valuable is Chuba Hubbard going forward, um, I don't think it's going to be as valuable as what it was at the beginning of the season. I do think Abdullah is going to be worth a stash in deeper formats, depending on how long we think McCaffrey's going to be out. But it looks like it'll at least be, uh, you know, he's probably not playing next week, you know, would be my guess, just based on being in the walking boot. Uh, DJ Moore, 40% of the targets i talked a lot about him on twitter this week just because he's really their best player against man coverage um robbie anderson struggled really badly against man coverage and we know we knew that the dolphins ran more man coverage like 48 percent of the time they're in man and then they run cover zero more than anyone else you know as well and they really just tempt you and you know man coverage can be really problematic Ian, for quarterbacks that don't have really strong accuracy um, and it shows up in these type of games. And I think that's what happened to Cam Newton today. He's got okay, af- He's got average accuracy, but it's not great. And I think DJ Moore is really the only player on the team that can consistently win against single coverage, at least right now. Not to say Robbie Anderson could not never break out of a slump. But Anderson only saw three targets today. One catch, 15 yards. Um, DJ Moore, 10 targets, four receptions, 103 yards. Uh, 70% of his passes were actually catchable. Um, We'd love to see, you know, that 10 targets turn into seven receptions for 120 yards and, you know, two touchdowns. But it is what it is. He's still the primary target, um, and we're just going to have to roll
0: with him. Yeah, it's a great point about Chuba and Abdullah because Abdullah wasn't even... <laughs> Chuba and Abdullah, kind of kind of rolling off the tongue there, Dwayne. But uh, Abdullah <laughs> yes. wasn't even on the Panthers until Week 7. So a lot of that stretch that we saw Chuba balling out in, he had Rodney Smith in the backfield with him who was stealing most of the pass-down work. And then Rodney like just got waved kind of midway through the situation. So the only actual game where we had Chuba and Abdullah both on the field at the same time, I mean, Chuba still racked up 24 carries. But this was in a 1913 win over the Falcons. He actually only played 55% of the offensive snaps. We were seeing him up in the mid 60s a few weeks before that without Abdullah only had two targets in that game, whereas Abdullah happened to have five. So I I think you're right, man. I think uh, Chuba will be the preferred ad, but it's going to be tough to rank him even like in the top 15, I think, uh, depending on how some of these injuries uh, shake out. Certainly not an Alexander Madison type, as we'll get to in the Vikings game. Um, and yeah, Dwayne, you know it's, it is one of those things with the cover th- uh, cover zero that we mentioned on our game by game preview pod, talking about the success they had against Lamar Jackson. I thought DJ Moore and McCaffrey could maybe create a little bit more after the catch than some of the things that we saw Lamar deal deal with. Obviously, you lose CMC, that can make a defense's job a lot easier. Patriots took down the Titans, 36 to 13, covering easily as a seven and a half point favorite, over cashed at 43 mac jones 310 yards two touchdowns and no i was not that impressed everyone it just wasn't that big of a deal like i'm sorry mac jones we will crown mac jones when he deserves to be crowned it is not that time both touchdowns i thought were fully due to kendrick Bourne. the first one was a good ball from mac it was a nice fade in the back corner of the end zone Bourne still had the masa guy and then the second one it was a crosser where Bourne made no less than two or three guys missed the tackle before he found his way into the end zone so great game from kendrick Bourne. we had a nice Nice pass to Jacoby Myers down the seam for 38 yards, but man, oh man, Hunter Henry was wide open for an easy 30 yard touchdown, and Mac just sailed it. There's another goal line opportunity where Mac just wasn't able to hit him as well. And it's just one of these things, Wayne, when you watch it. Like, why does Nick Folk keep winning? We don't talk about kickers on this podcast. It's just a personal thing with me. I appreciate everyone respecting, uh, you know, just that personal belief of mine. But Nick Folk's out here attempting six field goals again because Mac Jones is usually content to. Take five yards when the offense needs eight. Like that's our short of sticks note, and that's just the way things are going. Look, the Patriots are eight and four. They just won by uh, 23 points. Mac Jones is playing winning football, and that's great. I just don't want to put him in the conversation with the true elite elite of the league's QBs because watch one game, and you will know there's a difference between what Max asked asked to do and what someone like Aaron Rodgers is asked to do. So maybe I'm being a little too rough, but either way, this is a fantasy podcast. It's going to continue to be tough to trust him more weeks than not because. Again, this offense at its core wants to run the ball between Stevenson, Damian Harris, as much as possible. And Mack just gives us such a low floor when he is not going to be throwing for 300-plus and multiple touchdowns, which he did today, but hasn't made a habit of this season. But with that backfield, Damian Harris did score the group's touchdown and the game bullied his way into the end zone. Stevenson had a really nice run in the fourth quarter himself. Unfortunately... Brandon Bolden once again lowered the ceiling and floor alike for both these guys catching all four of the backfields targets for 54 yards himself right now like Stevenson and Harris they're in a I think better overall situation than the Broncos they are in a better overall situation but we got to kind of think of them like Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams they are splitting up the early down work the problem is they're not even getting their receptions at this point because all that is going to Brandon Bolden I do agree that Stevenson continues to have the higher overall ceiling because he will be using the pass game occasionally more so than Harris but even then both of them have one target in this one so moral of the story we're feeling good about these RBs as RB3 types Kendrick Bourne is slowly starting to creep his way into maybe low end wide receiver three upside wide receiver four territory same kind of goes for Jacoby Myers but it's just shocking that we have this Patriots offense proving they're a top 10 top 12 scoring unit and we can't get more out of them in fantasy land but that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes with the Titans I mean it's just tough to expect anything from this offense no Henry no AJB no Julio Jones just wasn't anything going on here Tannehill did throw a short touchdown to Nick Westbrook Akini and that was it man like he caught that little Michael Thomas uh Oh, I asked Mike Renner. It's called a shield screen. You know the one I'm talking about where the wide receiver comes running in at like the one yard line and they just immediately throw him the ball and he like scoots in. That's called a shield screen. That's the cool little football lingo for that. So learn something new today. Uh, Hopefully you all did as well. So that was the score. Otherwise, we had a Dontro Hilliard 68 yard touchdown before the half where it seemed like the Patriots were just surprised the Titans ran the ball in the first place. And then Deontay Foreman had a nice 30 yard run the second half, but he actually had the ball knocked out. So Dwayne this is where i'll throw it over to you because we had foreman 19 carries 109 yards that's good but once again we had dontrell hilliard racking up 12 carries stealing away all the pass down work and we even got something named Kiri Blassingame game also getting some touches as well that name actually does ring a bell from some of the degenerate uh preseason maybe it was even xfl um days there but yeah what's going on with this backfield dwayne because no mcnichols still and ap was out of the picture this week
1: Well, I think it's pretty much what we thought it was going to be. The early down work went to Foreman, but most of the passing down work went to Hilliard, including the two-minute offense, which is what happened. 100% of the two-minute offense went to Hilliard, 60% of the long down and distance, 67% um, or sorry, uh, 35% of the rushing attempts. But then Foreman had 51% of the rushing attempts, but only 30% of the long down and distance didn't play any in the two-minute offense. So their snaps were pretty much even, 51% and 49%. Yes, they were both saved uh, by a long run. Hilliard was saved by a long run as well. Came out in a draw play and, you know, they were just trying to get a quick first down and, you know, credit to him, you know, they left it wide open and he just took it all the way to the house. So um, I think it's a situation where we know that the, you know, Titans want to run the ball enough that. You know we can probably treat these guys as like rb3s um but we just as long as we don't get mcnichols back and then he gets involved too like and but that's we won't know that until we get mcnichols back right and so if that happens it's just going to be a situation we'll have to completely avoid um, if it doesn't we might be able to get a little bit of use out of some, out of these you know titan backs moving forward um to me hilliard is the better play and just because in PPR and half ppr formats because you're just hoping that man no matter what if you can just give me Two to three receptions like that, that really helps me a lot. Now, today, he didn't really do that well. He only had two targets, one reception for two yards. So, luckily, he scored that long touchdown run. But he was out there. He was the one running more routes. 58% of the time the Titans dropped back to pass, he was actually in a route versus only 35% for Foreman. Really nothing else to talk about um, on the Titans. It's really a hodgepodge at receiver (laughs) that... uh, uh, there's really nothing to talk about I don't don't know what else to say the offense looks terrible (laughs) Ryan Tannehill didn't even get to 100 yards passing I don't think today like if I remember correctly 93 Dwayne (laughs) yeah bad bad day uh and look man this is what happens like when you lose Julio Jones you lose um AJ Brown um those are those are just really tough things you know to deal with and so I was in it was interested that we didn't we didn't see Golden Tate you know up for the game so we'll see what happens with him you know not that Tate's gonna save the day or anything but you know he is a player that you know could get a little bit more involved and we'll get Julio back here uh, I think he's actually eligible to return next week um, so, by week next week so honestly yeah, week, next could week, not come out, come out a better out. time for this whole team yeah for sure and they're still sitting in a good spot as far as playoff positioning goes it, get healthy get things right you know and let's see what can happen on the Patriots side of the ball it you nailed it with the these are all RB3s and it kind of stinks because really Damian Harris had made his way into that mid-range RB2 um, before the injury. And now it really is a situation where Ramadre Stevenson is playing a lot as well. We've got the true even Patriot split going on. Snaps 37% to Harris, 33% to Stevenson, 32% to uh. Brandon Bolden. So you're just not going to want to really use any of these players. I will say Harris was at 50% of the rushing attempts, which is really, you know, that's where he was early in the season. And then he kind of got up to where he was around 60, 65% of the rushing attempts. So I do think, like, if you had to pick one of these players that you're going to use, I still would lean to Harris. Um, I agree with what you said. Stevenson could get utilized a little bit more in the passing game. But at the same time, I think it's going to be very hit or miss, just like what we saw today. Um, He only had one target and zero receptions. Brandon Bolden, like you already mentioned. And Bolden's out there 100% of the long down distance, 100% of the two-minute offense. So that's really just he is the James White replacement. Um, So these are guys that I just really want to stay away from, you know, to be honest. Um, As far as the receivers go, Kendrick Bourne, you know, didn't get to – he was just at 81% of the routes. But, man, this guy, like, keeps coming through with these plays. They They need to find a way to give Kendrick Bourne more playing time. I don't know what the I don't know why you must have Nelson Aguilar out there. I'm pretty sure Kendrick Bourne can do everything Nelson Aguilar can do and more, uh, and your quarterback has way better rapport. We just Bourne, it's it's these hit or miss things because we'll also have weeks where he doesn't even get to 60% of the routes because the Patriots are so game plan specific. They know what they want to do against different teams. Their plan today against the Titans was really to spread them out and use their three wide receivers more. But next week it could be, we're going to come out with three tight ends and you'll never even see <laughs> Kendrick Like he might get to 50% of the routes. So he's a tough player to trust. Um, but if you are interested in just thinking, you know, well, man, maybe they'll just eventually give the guy more playing time. That's really what you're betting on if you're gonna if you're gonna pick up Kendrick Bourne. That or, or you're or you've got the Bill, you know, Belichick Dakota ring, and you know when the, when the Patriots are going to use three wides. If you know that, you could probably you know say, okay, Kendrick Bourne's a boom bust wide receiver four at that point is the way I would treat him. Uh, Jacoby Myers. He's really the only asset right now that I can think of that I would even put in my lineups, you know, that comes from the Patriots team, and I'm not super excited about it, but he just he's the leading target on the team pretty much every week, 25% of the targets, 47% of the air yards, got the lineup from the slot 70%, and actually at 25% of his uh, targets today were over 20 yards or more, which was really nice cuz we haven't seen that as much, and that's kind of been our knock on on, you know, Mac Jones, but he yeah. did to his credit, he cut it loose a little bit today, everything wasn't short of the sticks. If you could get some more plays like that from Jacoby Myers, like he could really have some value down the stretch. But again, I think everything is so game plan specific.
0: You can't count on it. Quickly to end this with Harrison Stevenson. This has been ideal game script for them for the last month and a half too. the Patriots are on the sixth game winning streak. Now they've won five of those games by 18 or more points. Like they got the bills next then they got a buy. They're going to have the Colts bills again. Then the Jaguars. I mean, There's a real chance that three of those games, excluding the Jaguars, obviously, are more of a back and forth game. Dare I say, the Patriots have to play from behind a little bit. And then, like, we're looking at five or six potential touches for those running backs. They're playing great on offense. Maybe they can't bully their ball ahead. I know I saw what Jonathan Taylor did to the Bills. I'm not saying you can't start them, but yeah, it's going to be tough for either guy to get into RB2 territory without an injury occurring giants took down the eagles in an ugly nfc east battle covering as a three and a half point favorite with their 13 to 7 victory under cash with ease at 45 another week and just more and more sheeshs for the eagles more than any other team throughout this entire year uh do we have just bonker stuff going on that if you only look at the box score you really wouldn't notice jalen rager man if he's not benched after this one, I'm not exactly sure what you need to do to get benched because he has not—he had not one but two chances in the final minute to win this game for the Eagles. The first one, beautiful potential 38-yard score from Jalen Hurts down the sideline, hit Rager in the helmet slash hands. And then on fourth and ball game, Hurts is able to scramble around a little bit, give Rager a chance at the goal line, once again hits his hands at the one-yard line, not able to come down within the end of the game. So yes, Rager had a weak high, 125, under realize air yards but when like you're the sole problem for those air yards occurring that's a bit different than getting wide open and having your quarterback miss you so no we will not be going back to the well when we were in the well in the first place with rager lord knows we're not going to jump down that thing after this performance so unfortunately you know is rager getting the seven targets our guy Devonte smith only four hat was having a nice you know stretch going on there but again it's been over a month since this guy has had even more than six targets in a game he's a great receiver hurts is going to throw for more than 129 yards, you know, more weeks than not. At the same time, this is a floor in what's become the most run-heavy offense in the league in Philadelphia. The Miles Sanders stuff is really annoying once again. This week, Boston Scott, 15 carries, Miles Sanders 9, even though Sanders, I mean 7.1 yards per pop, some of that was influenced by a 27-yard jaunt. I know he got hurt. He tweaked his ankle after that 27-yard run, but he did return to the game afterwards, and based on what we saw with Kenneth Gamewell you know, in the two-minute drive at the end of the game and Scott still being involved before that, it's pretty clear this is not the Miles Sanders show, even without Jordan Howard involved. So, our PFF Lily that is uh, the same as it was last week. Just increased league high 108 touches for Miles Sanders now without a score this year. At some point he'll find his way in, but man, like you lose Howard from this equation, you would really think that Sanders could be featured. It's weird, Dwayne. Like it's like when everyone's healthy, Miles Sanders is the lead back, but all of a sudden like backups get injured and we're like all of a sudden <laughs> moving Sanders down in the depth chart. So this Eagles running back room, you know, take it from the the uh, Nick Sirianni coming from Indy first has been more muddled in just about any situation in the league don't necessarily expect it to be more clear particularly now with Sanders having to maybe play through the pain moving forward um, in addition to those regular drops though Greg Ward also dropped a touchdown at the goal line so yeah Jalen Hurts the three picks he was only 14 for 31 certainly wasn't a great game from him we did get the 77 rushing yards though and just realized he had two maybe even three touchdowns dropped so I'm not really too nervous about going back to Hurts down the road with the Giants absolutely disgusting nobody had more than 50 receiving yards nobody had more than 40 rushing yards Saquon Barkley had an awesome 32 yard run I was screaming he's back he's back in the PFF offices did not exactly look back with the course of the entire game. I hate taking away a guy's big plays, so I'm not going to do that, but at the same time, other than that 32-yard carry, Saquon 12 carries for just 8 yards. That's always been his game, but at the same time, like when he's playing in this offense now, that is at least somewhat willing to let Daniel Jones, you know, have a little bit more of the workload. Give Devontae Booker at least a couple carries in there. Uh, Saquon is certainly looking more like a borderline RB1, low end RB1, as opposed to top 5 back that we're all hoping he could be at this point in the season you're still going to want to start him each and every week everyone it's Saquon Barkley he is an undisputed bell cow RB1 it's just a difference between him being the peak of his powers which is the overall RB1 or being just another guy to start every week but yeah Evan Ingram you know we said before this week there's no way if he can't make it in this game he's never going to make it apparently he's never going to make it then no Kyle Rudolph no Tony no Sterling Shepard and still plenty of problems just 37 yards on the day also didn't get that squeaky wheel get rights spot for Kenny Galladay. He had his chances, man. He just kept losing at the catch point to Darius Slay, who did a great job seemingly in shadow coverage throughout the afternoon. So, Dwayne, again, we had the Miles Sanders ankle injury influencing things a little bit, but he returned after the issue. It sure looked like it was a muddle committee by the whole. Maybe we'll find out some more about the specifics of the injury early this week. Yeah, Miles
1: Sanders didn't play in the fourth quarter, though. Um, And then if you look at him, you know, in the third quarter, he only played... Uh, five plays, so he was definitely on pace more. You know, early in the game, if you look at just the first half, he had 17 snaps versus 14 for Scott and one for Gainwell. And then if you break it back down by the second half, uh, you know he dropped all the way off to. Uh, just five snaps versus. Isn't 20. it weird?
0: Hold on, though. Isn't it weird that this happened last week too, but with a fumble thrown in? So we don't have these clear cuts. Yeah, and splits, this week we had was... a Boston
1: Scott fumble, like, and it <laughs> did, and you Jeez. thought maybe. That's so right. So I think there's okay. something to do here with with Sanders's injury. I think we're gonna have to see. We'll, we'll find out more. Um, but because you know we've seen the Eagles, if you get a fumble, like they'll send you to the bench, and that didn't happen with Boston Scott. We did see more Kenneth Gainwell though after the Boston Scott fumble. Which was later in the game, so I, I agree. I think mostly this is just muddled, um, and it's hard to pick. You know who you want to play each week. I think Miles Sanders, if healthy, it's fine. He's a low end RB two, and you're hoping he has a week where you can actually stay on the field. You know, if, if he gets you know 40 to 50 percent of the rushing attempts, you know, on the Eagles' offense, typically that's going to be enough it wouldn't have been today just because you know we saw the eagles actually get pushed out of their you know what they've been doing that's been so successful for successful for them you know over the first you know or over the last four or five weeks which is just so super run heavy and, and they wanted to do it they just couldn't get things going today so i agree i think it's just a situation that's pretty muddled but um, boston scott did come through you know for folks today You know, if you had to stick him in there because he got 15 attempts for 64 yards and he got you the rushing touchdown Um, and he was he got two receptions for eight yards. So if for some reason Sanders is out next week, then, yeah, I think and if it's Jordan Howard out again as well, then, you know, Boston Scott will probably be, you know, an RB2 for us Uh, as far as the Eagles. Skill receivers, there's nothing new. You, you really hit it. Like, look, it's, it's still pretty much a funnel between Dallas Goddard, um, you know, and Devonta Smith. It just wasn't as much today. Today, it was 24% target share to Jalen Rager, uh, which had that work out for the team? <laughs> Didn't work out very good at all. Dallas Goddard, I know, look, it's just kind of like the Mike Gisecki thing. I know it's frustrating, but he's out there for 89% of the routes. Um, typically, his targets per route are up over 20%. Today, he was only targeted 10% of the time, so I didn't get a chance to like see necessarily what the Giants were doing in coverage. But teams know that these are the two main players as well, right? And Jalen Hurts is another player that doesn't really have that hyper accuracy that you need, especially when you face man coverages and different things like that. So you're going to have bumps in the road with the Eagles' offensive skill players, knowing the way that they what their formula is for winning knowing the limitations of the quarterback, at least at this stage in his career, and knowing how the opposing defenses are going to adapt based on you know, what they have. But it is what it is at this point. If you look at the Giants, though, um, Barkley, you, you hit it on the head with, you know, he is in every down back again, 87% of the snaps, 72% of the time he was in a route, 54% of the rushing attempts, 29% of the design rushing attempts uh, today went to Daniel Jones. Um, Which I just, you know, I I watch, I get it. I don't, he doesn't look very good as a runner, though. He is, though, Dwayne,
0: he's the fastest man alive. Haven't you heard uh, Next Gen Stats? I know, it's just like Daniel (laughs) Jones, I'm like, man, I just, like,
1: it it doesn't make sense to me. Like, when I see some of these other quarterbacks where I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like, when I watch Daniel Jones do it, I'm like, they're just, like, forcing this on this guy. Like. Um, at which you may have more to say about, you know, the passing game and what some of his limitations are, you know, in that area. But Barkley, you know, 17% target share, 21% targets per route run, really nice today. He was stuffed on 15% of his attempts. Only 8% of his carries went for 10 yards or more. Um, So that's probably actually just one carry. Um, Yards after contact, almost all of it had to come after contact, 3.62. So he's not getting any favors from his offensive line either. 23% of the time, um, he changed the point, you know, of attack, like whenever he was approaching the line of scrimmage, which is also classic Barkley. Like he's always looking, to your point, He's looking for the big play, right? And so that's that's what leads to the higher stuff rate as well for Barkley. But his offensive line wasn't doing him any favors either. Uh, if you look at the rushing, the run-blocking grades today for the Giants O-line, not very good. Um, Ingram and Galladay, you already hit. I'll, I'll just quickly say on Galladay, uh, 83% of the routes um, today. You'd like to see him up at like 95 to 100% of the routes for how much they paid him. And considering everybody that's hurt, Like, come on, Kenny. Like, what's going on, dude? Uh seven targets, three receptions, fifty yards, uh operated some from the slot. 14% of his attempts or targets were over 20 yards or more, but only 57% of his passes were catchable today. Now, some of that's to do with the coverage, um, you know, and getting the shadow coverage from Slay. Um, not the easiest thing, you know, in the world to beat. But Galladay looks slowly getting more involved. It's just a bad offense, man. So. It's tough. tough to say what it's really worth. I mean, I, I think I'm keeping him in the wide receiver four boom bust range. Open to the fact that we know the guy's been a good player in the past and if the Giants can somehow get their offense to start clicking, like it would be big for Galladay and Barkley. That's what they need. They just need to be living within a, a, a healthier offense. And right now the Giants, Freddie Kitchens, didn't really fix anything for Jason Garrett.
0: Not the best uh, takeover for the clapper by any stretch of the imagination. But win is a win is a win. Kudos to you, Daniel Jones and the Giants. Falcons took down the Jaguars 21 to 14, covering as a one and a half point favorite under Cash with ease at 46. Cordero Patterson's world, we are just living in it. 108 yards on the ground with a pair of touchdowns, looking like the best player on the field because he was the best player on the field and has been for most of the season. Good to see him immediately get back into that upside RB2 range. I mean, today he was living on the ground. Usually it's as a receiver going into this week. He was PFF's highest grade receiver, regardless of position. Only Debo, excuse me, I think only Cooper Cup was more uh, efficient on a per route basis. He was number two. Could have been Cup, could have been Debo. You guys get the point. Other than that, though, just a pretty rough game from the Atlanta offense. Again, Matt Ryan just 190 passing yards. He did throw a touchdown to Russell Gage. Nice route concept, you know, over the middle. Gage had a good enough game, six catches, 62 yards. But, Dwayne, we've seen Gage, we've seen Zacchaeus, we've seen different receivers have good games. The problem is we then see their zero point floor almost a week after. So, yes, good game from Gage. Just realized everyone, he has goose-egged in two of the last five weeks. So be careful about trusting him as more than a boomer bust wide receiver four moving forward. And he's not even, doesn't even have, like, true boom in his range of outcomes. So probably more of a low-floor wide receiver four. And, yeah, another disappointing game from Kyle Pitts. Two catches, 26 yards. You know, Dwayne, last week, Bill Belichick's genius was able to shut down Kyle Pitts uh, this week against the Jaguars. I'd be curious to hear uh, what the excuse is from people there. But it it's just... It's disappointing. He's 21 years old, trying to be a featured receiver. Maybe that's just a little too much to ask from him uh, in his young career. But at the end of the day, he scored one touchdown this year, and that was when the Jets decided to cover him with the defensive lineman at the goal line. So it's been over a month now since we have seen him go for over 100 yards in back-to-back games. Um, At this point, he's still starting in these lineups. It's like Tiseki. It's like Goddard. The usage is too damn good to really get away from. I'm sure we'll see better weeks down the road at a minimum behind guys like Kittle, Hawkinson, Andrews. Um, you know Kelsey Wall hopefully Waller's healthy behind all those guys I think Pitts does deserve to probably go down to the lower half of the tight ends that we know are going to be in the top 12 week in and week out regardless over on the Jaguars side another game where Trevor Lawrence like you see the flashes I think it's kind of fair that people aren't too worried about Trevor Lawrence uh, moving forward because what's he supposed to do in this offense like we now got Tavon Austin being his red zone threat and to Trevor's credit he threw a great ball that Tavon came down with in the back of the end zone but lavisca chenault nine targets caught five of them 33 yards marvin jones seven targets four catches 43 yards gotta get laquan Trebo eight targets four catches 53 yards they're continuing to spread it out with these backups and because of that like we're not getting like we talk about in tampa bay when one of ab godwin or evans are out usually brady is condensing the targets onto his other guys today we saw rob gronkowski have a big game that's just not what's been happening in jacksonville a new guy steps up in this case it was trebwell and Tavon austin a little bit involved too and just really renders all these pass game options as borderline useless so you know lavisca marvin we'll probably have him in the top 50 somewhere but i'm going to be answering the majority of start sick questions with the other guy as we have done all season long uh good to see james robinson though get over 100 total. Yards on 20 touches. Sure, look like his usual workload was back in action. Unfortunately, and we talked about this on the injury pod on Friday. I hope you're off Dan Arnold already because James O'Shaughnessy got activated off the injured reserve list and was back in action in this one. Regardless, Arnold did suffer a knee injury, so he has been ruled out, and we just need to go to a different tight end moving forward. With O'Shaughnessy there, it does look like they're going to be splitting things more times than not find a better tight end than Dan Arnold. He got us there, got us through a good month. That's fine, thank you Dan, that is gonna be it. Only uh, real, only two sheeshs in this one. Uh, Trevor Lawrence should have had a second touchdown. He had Dari Wale with an easy 11-yard score. Went right through his hands. And also, Russell Gage, second time in like three or four weeks. This guy has some of the worst hurdle attempts I have ever seen. He got straight <laughs> up stood up uh, a couple weeks ago. And today, he had another horrendous one. So, I'll make sure to clip those and uh, you know tweet out a video highlight. Because i, I got to touch on all the really important things out there, Dwayne. But let's stick with Jacksonville. Because, you know, much like... Some of these other atrocities of offenses that we've talked about already. At this point in the year, there's one guy we can focus on, and that is the artist known as James RB1 son. It at least looks like Urban knows how to get one guy the football a bunch, and that is Robinson.
1: Yeah, he had 64% of the rushing attempts, but it's like we'd still like to see more. Like he's giving all the long down and distance, all the two-minute offense, all that's going to Carlos Hyde. 82% of long down and distance, 82% of two-minute offense to Carlos Hyde. I don't I don't understand it. But it is what it is. You'll take the 65% of the rushing attempts. And even though he was not in as many routes as Carlos Hyde, 40% versus 47%, his targets per route run were 24%. So they, when he's on the field, they are continuing to try to utilize him in the passing games. He had 11% target share today. Um, you on his way to 86 yards rushing, he did have a fumble today. So that could have something to do with it, you know, as well. There could be a little bit of, there's maybe some period, period in there in the game where it was kind of like, hey, go sit on the bench. We're going to give Hyde these two games. I haven't been able to look exactly when the fumble occurred and then what happened to Robinson like in a couple of, You know, drives after that. I'll have to look at that tomorrow. But he did have the three receptions for 29 yards. So that was good. Um, O'Shaughnessy was out there for 82% of the route. So if Dan Arnold is out for a while, he could become kind of a streaming option, low-end streaming option. Um, LaVisca Chenault did get to operate back inside again. 71% of his uh, routes today came from the slot. Uh, 13% of the targets he saw were of 20 yards or more, which was the lowest on the team. Really, Marvin Jones and Treadwell were stretching the field out more. 43% of Marvin Jones' um, targets came on uh, passes of 20 yards or more. So 6.8 yards after catch you know, per receptions a day for Chennault. But he didn't really do much. I mean, five receptions for 33 yards on eight targets. So, um, kind of spread out across all three of these guys. Um, each of them was right around, you know, you had 21% of the targets to Chenault, 21% to Treadwell, 18% to Marvin Jones. And when it's in an offense, like what we're seeing with the Jaguars, it's just kind of a big, no, thanks, you know, for me in, um, but I know some folks were excited about Chenault, So I wanted to throw out there, yes, he was working back in the slot. This was one of his better target games, you know, that we've seen in a while. But again, not able to do much with it. Um, as far as the Falcons go, yeah, Patterson, man, fifty-seven percent of the rushing attempts today, playing forty-eight percent of the snaps. You know, two weeks off of a high ankle sprain doesn't really matter. You know, whenever you talk about Cordero Patterson, he's just going to do his thing. Sixteen carries for hundred eight yards and two touchdowns. Kings King stay right. kings, Dwayne. You know that. 25% of his carries went for 10 yards or more. Like that's, it says so explosive run rate, 25%. Uh, Corderell knows what he's doing out there. Um, that is it. You hit the thing on Pitts. 91% of the routes, you're, you knelt just like Gusecki, just like Goddard, like these guys are getting to play. Um, you know, and he even had the targets today too. 21% of the targets, 41% of the air yards, just couldn't do much with it. Six targets, only two receptions for 26 yards for Pitts. But mid-range tight end one, if you want to make him more of a low-end tight end one, like I'm not going to argue, but he he is a tight end one still.
0: Like, Dwayne, I think almost a better, if you really want to find out like who the best fantasy analyst is, like the best ranker, I think it'd be like more realistic for us to like rank usage before the games, not even like fantasy points, because that's all we can really do. I mean, the flukiness that occurs with the plays and the touchdowns and the yards, that's why we love football. The best we can do is try to figure out who's going to be out there on the field. Right, and we can do some estimation of the quality
1: of the usage as well. Like you know, are right. I, I shouldn't sell us out too short. I'm sorry. But but to your point, like that's less controllable. <laughs> yeah. You know, figuring out the in the rolls is not controllable either. But it is more predictable than trying to figure out all the other variables. So I I agree
0: with you. Jets took down the Texans, riveting matchup here, twenty-one to fourteen, covering as a two and a half point favorite uh, er, underdog. Excuse me, under cashed at forty-four and a half. Zach Wilson. Made one great play in this one. He hit Ryan Griffin in the back of the end zone. Potential 16 yard score, had to roll out to his left. You saw some of the arm talent. Other than that, just wasn't too impressed. Had like the biggest laughing stock moment of the day. I think he kinda got, did a little bit dirty on it. He was basically running up in the pocket. He threw a shovel pass off Ty Johnson's back. If Ty didn't turn around, I'm sure we wouldn't have laughed as hard as we did. Unfortunately, he didn't turn around. It hit him in the back and ended up getting picked off. So we had a butt interception to put in the uh, uh, you know New York Jets Hall of Fame right next to the infamous butt fumble from back in the day but Wilson still took four sacks like we saw like a lower average target depth in this one so from that standpoint maybe it is a positive like it was kind of funny when Mike White was doing his thing and Zach Wilson said he wanted to be more like Mike White but what he meant in that was that he just wanted to take the easy completions and get those checkdowns when they're there and when they're available so from that standpoint I think you could argue that Wilson did show some signs of progression but yeah i think it's going to be until 2022 at the earliest until we see some real upside from this offense from anyone other than elijah moore did come away with a team high eight targets Corey davis was sidelined there in this one so maybe can't expect as dominant of a target share when Davis is out there but at a minimum I mean this is good he is now the featured 1a if at worst 1b receiver in this offense nobody else had more than four pass game opportunities on the afternoon so I get it Elijah didn't really return the top tier value we've seen him do for the better part of four or five weeks just realize like now we're comfortable still going back to him even after a dud because we still have that top tier usage before it was just a little more fluky trying to figure out is he going to actually be be able to keep on keeping on or not so if we can get flacco back under center that probably be a positive but we will see wilson did bang up his knee i believe it was at some point maybe it was a hamstring yeah. uh went out of bounds he stayed in the game so i don't think he's necessarily too banged up with something to keep an eye on for sure um unfortunately the ty johnson waiver out of the week did not go everyone's way why because we gotta get awesome walter as involved as these other guys uh truth be told yeah we had no idea walter was even going to be out there involved it sure seemed like tevin coleman and ty johnson were being set up to be the top two guys because they've been the committee guys all season long but i guess the jets took a page out of the eagles playbook and just decided to switch things up just for the hell of it so tevin coleman actually ended up leading the way team high 16 carries but walter snaked away the goal line touchdown And we even saw Coleman get the pass game opportunities, Dwayne. That was the most surprising part to me. I almost expected Coleman to be the lead early down back, but we were here for those targets. It was a mix of the Jets, you know, for once actually getting to play with a lead for a little bit in this one. And then also just Tevin Coleman, again, playing ahead of Ty Johnson. So brutal situation, you know, we'll probably put... Uh, it's it's going to be hard to put any of these guys in the top 30, let alone the top 36. Please try to play another guy than anyone on the Jets offense, unless their name is Elijah Moore at this point. And with Houston... Ty,
1: Ty Johnson did keep the passing down role. It's just, really? it's what okay. you mentioned, um, you know, the jets, you know, just the way this game trip worked out, you know, he had, he had 50% of the long down and distance. They didn't even use the two minute offense today. Ty Johnson was in a route 37% of the time, Tevin Coleman only 23% of the time, but he did lead the team to your point in targets. He had three versus only one for Ty Johnson and then one for Austin Walter. Um, But yeah, I look for me right now, it's like Tevin Coleman. You can look at him as an RB three.
0: You can't touch either of these other guys. And that's the problem. Like, we could live with Coleman and Ty Johnson. When you put a third party in there, it becomes way too complicated. And Houston, I thought that was what was going to happen. I thought Royce Freeman, who is active for the first time all year, would make this a far more annoying three-back committee than most were anticipating. And Freeman only played on special teams. Did not matter, though. Johnson, Burkhead. And Dwayne, this is kind of our conclusion talking about this on the preview show. It was like, in the two situations this year, basically, that we have seen these Texans running backs get fed like legit volume they still haven't produced points we can barely predict what's going to happen anyway and the upside to predicting what's going to happen still isn't high so david johnson had let's see 12 total touches was only able to get 55 total yards burkhead had 15 total touches but he finished with just 54 scoreless yards himself so no please try to avoid playing these guys. Yeah, we might be able to now squeeze them in the low end RB3 territory alongside some other guys that we would rather not play. But again, it seems to me like a matter of, you know, when, not if Freeman comes into the picture, makes this an annoying three back committee. Maybe Scotty Phillips gets off IR at some point. Maybe they sign <laughs> someone else. We don't freaking know. The only thing we do know is that Brandon Cooks remains very good at football, caught a 40 yard laser from Tyrod Taylor for a touchdown. Really did save his day. Just three catches, 45 yards um, on the afternoon it's just this houston offense really struggle bussing right now so cooks he'll remain you know a boomer bust wide receiver three that will put up some points but man it's just harder than ever to really feel good about him on a week-to-week basis usage usually the usage of a wide receiver one but man even that's been a little bit tougher to come by in recent weeks like we want to see this sort of game when tyrod taylor has 26 pass attempts we want to see cooks pushing for double digit targets not tied for the team high with nico collins and danny Amendola. so We want to start Elijah Moore more weeks than not. He's not a must-start necessarily, but he's someone that's probably going to be a top 30 wide receiver more weeks than not. With Houston, okay, if you're in a pinch and you just... Probably need to start Brandon Cooks. That's fine. Otherwise, please just avoid these offenses. So, only note I will make with Elijah Moore, and we saw some of this today. He hasn't been getting helped out a lot this year because nine rookie receivers have more than 15 targets. He is dead last in catchable ball rate at just 66%. So, Dwayne, let's start things off with this new. We're going to have to touch on both backfields here. Sorry. You know, the, I know these well, aren't I think the, we, uh, we hit the Jets. Most fun jumped, situations. Okay. Yeah.
1: No, I jumped in with you on the Jets. So, I think we hit everything there. But yeah. uh Look, if, if you need someone to fill in for Deonta Foreman or Dontrell Hill or, or Hilliard for you next week, Ian, here you go. You get Rex Burkhead or David Johnson. So if you've got those two guys on the Great. By, yeah. No. Uh, but it is just a split backfield at this point. Who knows, like, like you said, if it will change. 52% of the rushing attempts to Burkhead, 43% to David Johnson. Snaps, 61% to Burkhead. 39% to David Johnson. I really thought that would probably be the opposite. I thought that would be the other way around. Um, but it's pretty still pretty much a split backfield. Like you said, twelve rushing attempts for Burkhead, ten for Johnson, three targets for each. Um, so they were really close. It's kind of this even thing. Um, but it's a bad offense. So it's really you're you're just you're you're just trying to put a band-aid over your RB2 spot and just say just you're just you know praying for ten points. That's all you're looking for if you start one of these two players. Um, and if you get the 10 points, you feel really good about it, and you're just happy that you didn't just get five. Um, as far as, and that's really it, other than, real quick, I'll hit on Elijah Moore in a second, but Brevin Jordan, I know we have dy- folks that are big Dynasty um, <laughs> you know, players that listen to the pod as well, 62% of the routes today, um, so that was number one on the team for tight ends. Um, actually saw 12% of the targets, targeted on 16% of his routes. So he's a guy that's been getting more and more involved. Um, and when they get in long down and distance and they get in two-minute offense when they know they want to throw the ball, Brevin Jordan is the player that's getting on the field. He was out there for 89% of the two-minute offense and 83% of the long down and distance. So positive signs for the rookie, not something you're going to use in a redraft league unless you play in like a 25-teamer um, You know, and you flex three tight ends every week, then you might use Brevin Jordan. Um, actually, you know, you, he could be a little higher than that. But overall, it's just really more of a dynasty thing. Um, as far as Elijah Moore, man, 97% routes per dropback. So elite, elite, elite. Um, that's where you need to be. 35% target share today. 47% of the year, yards, 30% targets per route run. 1.7 yards per route run, despite the fact that the quarterback struggled most of the day. Zach Wilson's passing grade was a 49.4 today, PFF pass grade. So Wilson's still struggling, but Elijah Moore is out there enough. So we've seen him go from 60% of the routes to 81% last week, now to 97%. So we'll see what happens when Corey Davis comes back, because we know Keelan Cole is really the guy that rotates with Elijah Moore. So we could see him dip back down into that
0: 80% range. We'll have to keep an eye on it. Buccaneers took down the Colts. One probably the best game from the 1 p.m. slate. 38 to 31, covering as a three-point favorite, over cashed at 53 and a half. Honestly, a game. I mean, the Colts led 24-14 at halftime. Gonna be tough to win when you have four second half turnovers, though. Credit to Carson Wentz, though. Three touchdowns, 306 yards had two picks, had three sacks. We saw some lows, but this was the first game that we've seen him really have to go toe-to-toe for a while, and he was able to do that for a lot of the afternoon. Only one of those lost fumbles was on him. We also had Zach Pascal and Naeem Hines put the ball on the ground and not manage to get it back in their possession. The touchdown 62-yard pearl to Ashton Doolin down the middle, hit him in stride. I mean, truly, Carson Wentz, he's putting together a nice little deep ball compilation this year, particularly if you include some of the PIs out there. Also hit Jack Doyle for a wheel and a clutch throw to T.Y. Hilton for a score right before halftime. Unfortunately, the one guy that you, me especially, were hoping that might ball out in this game if they did get this sort of game script, Michael Pittman couldn't quite get it done. 10 targets like he was the featured receiver I mean Zach Pascoe had 7 Doyle had 7 but it was Michael Pittman as the one just couldn't fully come down with it 53 yards only Jalen Rager had more unrealized air yards on the week I mean with Wentz one of those interceptions was a bomb to Pittman that I actually thought was a good throw he gave Pittman a chance to go up and get it Antoine Winfield Jr. just went up and stole the ball from Pittman and won not the catch point so don't want to see that Pittman will have better games but it was disappointing to see him get the volume we wanted here just not quite be able to come through with it Jonathan Taylor coming off the five touchdown game heard around the world still managed 83 rushing yards and a score 14 uh, receiving yards wasn't quite able to keep that wild 100 total yard streak going but come on people we can get 20 touches 97 yards and a touchdown and it feels like a massive disappointment that's pretty good in fancy land uh, only big suggestion here would be don't chase this Jack Doyle 81 yards and a touchdown we still got Mo Alley Cox there we still got Kyle Grants in there. This happens in Indy. A tight end periodically goes off, but Carson Wentz had 44 pass attempts this week. Last week he had 20. So be, I'm not saying it's always going to be 20, but it certainly isn't always going to be 44. And I would take you know that bet far closer to 20 more weeks than not over with the Buccaneers. Brady just really didn't look in his element for a lot of this game. I think the Colts did a good job keeping him uncomfortable in the pocket. He did get sacked twice. And it really turned into just the Gronk and Fournette show. Both of them had seven catches. Gronk's went for 123 yards. Fournette's 31, and he caught a touchdown. But Chris Goblin just 24 yards on four catches. And Mike Evans, 16 yards on three catches, just a combined nine targets. So Antonio Brown is expecting to be back next week. It's going to render all these wide receivers as more so upside-wide receiver twos as opposed to upside wide receiver ones only one ball to go around this offense and we saw that today luckily Lenny Fournette Lombardi Lenny did happen to be the recipient of that ball more times than not overall 24 carries 131 total yards not one not two not three but four trips to the end zone look plenty fine doing it I mean the 28 yard touchdown run at the end to ice it was his best play but more than anything it's just that sweet 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 volume his last 15 games including the two 2020 21 playoffs 203 carries 921 rushing yards 10 scores on the ground also 69 catches nice for 502 yards and a pair of scores as well so awesome stuff from fournette Final note is that Vita Veya, all-world run stuffer from the Buccaneers, like one of the most disgusting moments of the day, but also a reason why we got to love these football players because they truly are modern-day gladiators. His tooth went flying out when he got freaking speared in the chin when his helmet was up, and he just decided to smile off the field. at was his you know, mouth is just full filled with blood so my god Dwayne, these guys truly are built different uh in the nfl but yeah man uh, you can kind of go where you want here we know what we're getting when these in these teams we got fournette we got taylor we got a bunch of great pass catchers it's good to have players in these offenses particularly the tampa bay
1: yeah just a couple quick highlights Kronk was almost at 80 percent of the routes which is really that's great he was at 77 percent um, he did lead the team in targets today, 27%. You already mentioned Fournette was second. He had 24% you know, of the targets. And the big thing with Fournette, and we've talked about it a couple times already, um, is they've just found a way that no matter what way the game goes, they'll either eliminate Ronald Jones or Gio Bernard's role before they take away Fournette's role. So basically Fournette picks up something somewhere, no matter what. Like today we saw Ronald Jones stay involved, but Gio Bernard wasn't really out there. Gio Bernard only played... Uh, he only played like, I don't know, just a handful of snaps. It was thirteen percent of the long down and distance, one percent, you know, of the snaps total, so they didn't face long down and distance very often um, today. So you saw Fournette pretty much get to stay on the field all the time, eighty one percent of the snaps, sixty-one percent of the rushing attempts but he got to use he got to keep the passing down work even though he gave away a few of the rushing attempts to Ronald Jones who had 25% today. So, it's a really good spot for Net to be in no matter what like they find a way to insulate his value for fantasy uh, managers. Um The Colts, Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, 89% of the rushing attempts still doing his thing. It was just the two-minute offense was needed more today, so Naheem Hines was out there a little bit more. He played 94% of the two-minute offense, but Taylor continues to get half of the long down and distance work, which we've seen for the last couple of weeks, so he is involved in the passing game. He was also, he also still saw more targets than Naheem Hines today, uh, 12% versus 7%, so Jonathan Taylor's fine. This. You know, this week, his point of attack changed 44% of the time, and that just speaks to the Bucks' run defense. Stuff rate was 13%, which is higher than what he's used to on his year, but still 25% of his carries went for 10 yards or more, even though he's dealing with this tough um, Bucks' run defense, you know, and guys like knocking teeth out, you know, trying to stop <laughs> him. So... Yeah, Taylor's in a good spot. Jack Doyle, you hit on. Yeah, don't buy it. Only forty-seven percent of the routes to Jack Doyle. He's just, you know, this is one of these weird games where he just happened to come through. Michael Pittman, twenty-four um, percent of the targets did lead the team. Forty um, percent of his targets today were twenty yards or more. Um, so Pittman's going to have his games. Just, just didn't work out today for him. Um, you know, and and some of those pay plays. You know, I was watching them like it was it was tough coverage, you know, and Pittman, you know, it's like just jump ball situations. So it's not the easiest. T.Y. Hilton was out there for 65 percent of the routes. He saw five targets, four receptions, 28 yards. He did catch a touchdown, but also not dependable because he's only out there in 11 personnel. And it just depends on the game script for the Colts. But typically that's somewhere between 60 and 65 percent
0: of the plays. There's not much that you can do with a guy like Hilton. Broncos took down the Chargers as we get into the four o'clock games 28 to 13, covering as a three point home dog under cash at 47 points. Teddy Bridgewater looked like he got hurt you know and he did get hurt he missed a good chunk of the first half with a lower leg injury was able to return for the second half so got to see my guy Drew Locke there for a little bit he threw an absolute horrific interception to Derwin James and that's why I enjoy watching Drew Locke play because as horrific as it is it's more entertaining uh, in my opinion than a lot of these just your typical backup quarterback who never tries to push the ball downfield or anything like that but about enough about my weird just nonsensical infatuation with Drew Locke. Teddy did have a good game here. Ran for a touchdown where it looked like he was going to go out of the bounds. Managed to stay in there and score from 11 yards out. And also had a nice touchdown pass to Eric uh, Saubert, who we are never going to talk about again, probably on this podcast. But hey, went out there and he's done this two or three times this year now where he gets outside the pocket and actually throws out a nice stiff arm to a defender, still keeps his feet and throws an accurate ball downfield. So, I mean, that's the thing with Teddy. We see him hold the ball a lot and it gets him in trouble with taking sacks. But when he can use his feet to extend plays, that's when we get the best version of him. So great stuff from Teddy. Unfortunately, when not a single Broncos receiver has more than four targets, we're not going to see anyone put up legit fantasy points. That's what happens when you win a game and you only need to throw the ball 25 times. So Judy, Sutton, Patrick, Alberto, Noah Fant, they all busted again because of that lack of volume. So Teddy, you know, him spreading the ball around. Obviously, it's probably a net positive in real life. Didn't help in this one. We're continuing to treat Judy. At this point, as the only like locked in starter, and even then, he's more of a wide receiver three than anything more. I know they paid Sutton, I know they paid Patrick. Sure, seems like that might have been more of an investment. In whoever's going to be under center in 2022 and beyond, because we all know they are not quite getting the most out of them in this current uh, edition of the offense. Unfortunately, but we didn't get burnt on it. This backfield split is not going anywhere. Melvin Gordon got the start. He got hurt with a hip injury on his first run. Came back in shortly after, like nothing happened. and Continued to uh, really play well, man. But also work, if not ahead of Javante Williams, right in line, hand in hand. So it was Javante with a 42-yard catch and run, 57 total yards receiving. Also chipped in 54 yards on the ground and scored the group's touchdown. Just realize, like, don't be fooled by the Javante Williams fantasy Points compared to Melvin Gordon, this did seem to be again what we've seen, Dwayne, and I'm sure the utilization backs that up. How about you throw me that right now?
1: Yeah, so it was 58% of the snaps to Williams, 42% to Gordon. So Williams was slightly ahead, but we did have the injury early in the game. But like you said, Gordon came back the very next drive, so I'm not gonna like count that as too much. But we saw Williams out there for 60% of the routes, only 24% for Melvin Gordon. Now, for the rushing attempts, Gordon actually did lead the team 55% versus 42% for Javonta Williams. But you saw the long down and distance swing to Williams today. 80% of the long down and distance snaps went to Williams, only 20% to Melvin Gordon. But then just to make sure you stay confused, Ian, throw your little knuckleball, (laughs) two-minute offense, 57% to Melvin Gordon, 43% to Javonta Williams. So to your point, it is still a mix, but it is the second time right in the last two games where we actually have seen Williams lead from a snap count standpoint and really from an overall um, touch opportunity, they still stayed close, but we are seeing Williams take, you know, a slight edge and look, just getting Williams an extra two to three touches per game is, you know, I know it doesn't feel like a lot, but with a player that has the ability, he does to create these big plays. And we saw it again today, 14% of his carries went for 10 yards or more. Um, If you look at his uh, stuff rate, Gordon, they're the same, 7%, 6%. They're right there together. Missed tackles forced, though, per attempt, 29% for Javonta Williams uh, and 6% for Melvin Gordon. So slight edge to Williams, but to your point, still very much a committee.
0: When you look at them, they really are similar. And I, I don't want to keep making this comparison, but it kind of works in ways, too. The early down Patriots backs. Gordon has the higher PFF rushing grade than Javante. And the same is true for Damian over Stevenson. Now, things get different when we look at yards after contact, missed tackles, forced per carry. That's kind of where we start to see Javante and Stevenson get there. Because when we watch the guys run, I agree. Javante looks better than Melvin. And, uh, you know, Stevenson looks better than Harris. You can say the same thing about Pollard looking better than not to just even further confuse this situation just realize it's not like javante is awesome and gordon sucks it's javante is awesome and gordon is still very good in his own right it makes sense that the broncos are going to continue to utilize them both evenly with that said moving through week 17 broncos get the chiefs the lions the Bengals, the raiders and the chargers once again so even if nothing changes here you're still looking at running backs that you're not feeling bad about starting by any stretch of the imagination Moving over to the Chargers side of things, 303 yards for Justin Herbert, two touchdowns, but pair of interceptions, one of which went all the way back to the house threw it behind Austin Eckler off the hands and proceeded to get that pick six done. Mike Williams, eight targets. Eckler, eight targets. Mike Keenan Allen, ten targets. You would like to see that. Williams could have had a bigger day if they didn't get this super questionable um, offensive pass interference that nullified a 25-yard catch. I get it. We're still only looking at like 65 yards, but it kind of goes back to the point we made after last week where that Chargers offense against the Steelers really didn't fix itself. It got in a situation where they hit all their underneath targets and they face a really banged up group. I think this Broncos defense showed that Herbert and company still have a ways to go to refine that, you know, top overall gear that was on display for the first month and a half of the year. Austin Eckler did save the day with a touchdown receiving also six catches, 68 yards when he scored, man, they literally threw him an angle route between two defenders and he dropped it. Looked like he was maybe about to score. I was writing out the sheesh alert and then all of a sudden they run the same damn play and Eckler catches it for a touchdown. So good stuff from Eckler continues to be locked in as an upside RB1 only other note is not to put too much stock into Jared Cook's day he did have the five targets but we also had Steven Anderson and Donald Parham remaining involved in the touchdown to Jared Cook was like the most jump ball touchdown we've had of the season Mike Williams was back there as were like three Broncos defenders credit to Jared Cook for coming down with it but again this passing game is going through Keenan Mike Williams and Austin Eckler. After Cook, it could also be the tight ends. We got, you know, Josh Palmer, Jalen Guyton out there as well. Do not start Jared Cook if he can at all help it moving forward. Dwayne, I believe that's mostly what I have here. Any big takeaways from the Chargers offense? It was nice to see Mike Williams get the targets back up, even if the production wasn't immediately there this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was at 18% of the targets today. So still, like, not great, but, you know, better than, you know, Fifteen percent. <laughs> so sure. we'll just, you have to continue to take it. look. It's a, it's a passing offense. You know, they've got a good young quarterback. Like we've said, you know, Williams is the number two or three option. It's usually him or Eckler that's second behind Keenan Allen. It is pretty much Keenan Allen, like across, like over the last five to six games, pretty much dominated everything. Um, but you know, it, it's something where we know we've got a talented player continuing to be part of an offense that we like. So you'll take it, but it's, It's to the point now where he's just, he's a wide receiver three, right? He got as high as being like a low end wide receiver one early in the season. And now he's really kind of back to what we probably thought of him before the season started, which is a wide receiver three. um, Really, I don't want to call him boom bust, um, but it's kind of getting to where it's almost like that though, right at this point. So, um, and that's it. Um, You you mentioned Jared Cook only out there 61% of the routes. So don't get too excited about the five targets. And uh, you know, reminded you of. I think that was uh, who was the the rollout from Rogers to against Detroit that one year. The touchdown. That's what it reminded me of. Even though it was oh, way yeah. closer, I can't remember the tight end that that was to. Oh, um,
0: um, um Rogers. Richard Rodgers. Yeah, Richard Rodgers. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So it was kind of <laughs> like that, but like, you know, uh, 50 it was yards less like like a the throw.
0: 50, it was like the 15-yard <laughs> version of that. Yeah, the <laughs> 15-yard.
1: It was a crazy good catch from Jared Cook. I, was watch, I had that game on whenever that play happened. Um, just the Broncos receivers, you kind of already he hit on it. It's all spread out. But look, they were just ahead this whole game. So there was never a need really for the Broncos to have to throw the ball. You know, you had uh, 20 dropbacks by Bridgewater, nine drop backs by locks only 29 on the game and it's just hard to really get a lot going and we've talked about it multiple times look this it's and you kind of hit it at the end there before you threw it over this thing's being set up for who the next signal caller is really um and they're going to have like hopefully it's someone that can unlock right all of the riches because we know nothing it's teddy but teddy's not unlocking the riches um you know it's just a situation where you got too many mouths to feed um a conservative head coach and a conservative quarterback it just is what it is
0: don't feel bad for Teddy. This dude came back from an injury that a million out of a million other people probably don't. And he has now set himself up to be an NFL quarterback for the next probably 10 plus years. Still, whether or not he ever develops into a top tier starter, you know, I would probably place my bet on no. But that's OK. He's going to make millions of dollars either starting or backing up someone that well. Life could be a lot worse than it if than it will be for Teddy Bridgewater. 49ers took down the Vikings 34 26 got a little bit dicey there at the end but they managed to hold on thanks in large part well not in large part but easily the funniest moment of the game was Kirk Cousins having to burn a timeout by going under the right guard not the center and thinking he had to get the snap there watching uh, Madison like just you know horrified trying to move him back over center it was a uh, pretty freaking comical out there Kirk though in this one really wasn't quite at his best he did find Adam Thielen for two first half touchdowns but we kind of saw, I think, Nick Bosa and company able to influence him in the pocket. He only took one sack, but again, we just weren't really seeing that constant dose of big, clean pockets for him to step up and and deliver rockets, and that's why this offense ultimately got held to just 19 points. Yes, I know they had 26. That's because Oh, man, Dwayne. You might need to help me out on this one. Akine Nwagwu, do you have any idea? (laughs) I don't. (laughs) We will work on that one. Second (sighs) kick return touchdown of the year. This dude can legit fly, and that has been a a lot of fun to see out there. But Justin Jefferson, just 83 yards, although we did see the nine targets. You guys know he'll have bigger days. The big story here, obviously, is Dalvin Cook. Man, I thought it was like a knee at first because he got carted off, but it was a shoulder injury. He was ruled out after the game and it does look like this was a dislocation. We do have some news on it from NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, who reports Cook suffered a shoulder dislocation, which knocked him out of the game. He'll have an MRI tomorrow to determine what damage the dislocation caused. But that is rough. Dislocation is bad. That means that it's more than grade one. As someone that separated my shoulder back in playing football, separation you can deal with, dislocation, is when it starts to require surgery either way it's incredibly painful and to have a shoulder injury or a rib injury man these are the types of injuries that we can see get re-aggravated and just lessen the ability of a player like Dalvin who we're counting on handling the rock 20 or 30 times per game so man it could end his season like we have no idea right now but just realize this is not good for Dalvin Alexander Madison came in relief and as we saw earlier this year he is going to be locked in as an RB1 and man more than ever Dwayne because we got God. Amir Abdullah now taking his, you know, uh, annoying habits uh, over to Carolina and stealing away from Chuba's handcuff value. So Madison's in the clear uh, now and with Dalvin Cook out of the picture. Like, he's going to be a legit top 10, if not even higher, um, running back here on a week-to-week basis moving forward. Over with the 49ers, Jimmy G, another just efficient game. I mean, first drive or two, he threw a horrific interception to Harrison Smith right over the middle, but otherwise far more good than bad. He found Juwan Jennings for a short touchdown almost got him for another one but Jennings end up having his knee go out of bounds before he could get his foot in luckily we got Brandon Ayuk being the leading receiver 91 yards just six targets but that's okay we at least are out of that doghouse but none other than Elijah Mitchell just absolutely dominating uh with some of these touch counts 27 carries in this one for 133 yards and a score broken finger Dwayne doesn't matter still caught five catches for still caught five balls for 35 uh, yards as a receiver as well Unfortunately, Dalvin was not the only injury we got to talk about in this one because Debo Samuel suffered a groin injury and was questionable to return. He did not dud before getting injured, of course, because he's a freaking baller. Six carries, 66 yards and a pair of touchdowns. But Dwayne, with Debo now, it doesn't look like it's a long term injury. He said after the game he'll have an MRI, but there's not too much concern about the severity of it. He said he could feel it tighten up and just wanted to come out immediately to ensure it didn't worsen up. So. Maybe adrenaline. I don't know. We probably shouldn't take Debo's word as gospel for. We'll see what the doctors say and everything. But I think the bigger kind of concern, as great of a football player as Debo is, I mean, he was bawling out over the first eight nine weeks of the year because he had one of the largest target shares in the area, largest largest air shares in the entire NFL. Since Kittle has come back and since Ayuk has gotten out of the doghouse, it's really been Debo as a running back, which is fine. We don't care how he gets the fantasy points. But Dwayne, even if he is healthy here moving forward I don't know that we can keep ranking Debo as a top 10 receiver and just expect him to make the most out of six to ten rush attempts per game yeah I agree I think it is problematic at this point um, and the growing he's dealt with
1: earlier in the season so nah. I mean this could be something where they have to shut him down for a little bit I don't have anything saying that so I mean we'll have to wait and see um, but it was serious enough that, like he needed to be out of the game in and in what was still a close game like the 49ers ended up you know being pretty comfortable at the end just with the way it ended Um, but at the time like they still really needed Debo Samuel in the game so I'll be definitely interested to see what happens but to your point yeah Um, I guess the positive Ian is that he's such a playmaker with having the other two back they're finding ways to get him the ball which is really through the running game but Honestly, we would prefer it be through the passing game. You know, we are kind of picky, actually, because we want the receptions. (laughs) You know, you want those catches. You want those cheap point or half point, you know, everywhere you can get it, you know. So we'll have to wait and see. But Ayuk, over 90% of the routes again, um, completely out of the doghouse, got to operate from the slot 38% of the time in this game. They're moving him all over the field, 41% of the air yards, 23% of the targets. George Kittle came up small in the box score, but 87% of the routes. Out there, pretty much any time they really needed him to be. Only at eight percent of the targets though today. And again, these things happen. This we, we know George Kittle's a good player. We just all we need with George Kittle is we just want to know that he's healthy. And if we know that he's healthy, he's a, he's a you know a set it and forget it type tight end. You're going to start him every single week. Um, Elijah Mitchell, man, seventy percent of the rushing attempts, twenty three percent target share on the day. Uh, 15 percent of his carries went for 10 yards or more. Uh, I mean, he's this—he's playing great. Ian. like Elijah Mitchell, he's what everybody that dropped all their fab money was hoping that they were getting. I mean, I, he's a top 12 back down the stretch. You know, you got to make at this point like he's a low end RB one every single week in my mind. Um, he's not getting the long down and distance and all that stuff. It doesn't matter though with the way the 49ers' offense works and how committed they are to the ground game. Um, they don't really let scripts push them around all that much, even if they trail. So, and we saw that in this game because they were down early um, to the Vikings in this game. It was fourteen to seven, pretty much almost to halftime. Um, as far as the Vikings go, nothing new. I mean, we'll talk more about Madison probably tomorrow, but he's the definite, you know, every down back moving forward, you know, for the Vikings until they get Dalvin Cook back. Uh, Justin Jefferson's good. Adam Thielen is good. I don't think anybody needs me to tell them that.
0: As Dwayne alluded to, we do break down all the waiver wire targets on Monday afternoon. Those episodes are live on Tuesday morning, wherever you are listening to this current pod. But yeah, man, the Mitchell, the usage is low-end RB1 for sure. And the schedule, the same schedule that we were hoping Trey Lance would be taking advantage of Hmm. this time, is now going to go to Mitchell. They get the Seahawks next week, then the Bengals, then the Falcons, then the Titans. And in Week 17, when you need them the most... Home against the Houston Texans. I love that. Final game here. Look at us, Dwayne. Maybe even getting under an hour and a half. Who knows? You know i don't i don't care how long we go but i'm just i'm just kind of saying dwayne and i have not meant to go so far over the two hour mark on some of these in the past uh we know you all have a few other things to do than listen to fantasy football all day and night but now look at me rambling and causing the time to go up packers took down the rams 36 to 28 green bay covered as a two point dog over cashed at 56 and a half so and this one there's one story and one story alone obj is back baby i mean kind of you know he caught a cool 54 yard touchdown nice double move ran past the secondary and really it was encouraging uh, usage overall you know all all jokes aside 10 targets for obj 10 targets for cooper cup nine for van jefferson nobody else had more than five they're going to center this passing game around their three receivers and beckham along with jefferson and as we know cup do seem capable enough of being weekly starts more times than not Credit to Jefferson came down with a 79-yard touchdown himself. Uh, Yeah, it wasn't quite as efficient as some of these other guys. Only caught three of his nine targets. But hey, if the Rams aren't going to be as good as we thought they could be in the first half of the year, like, no, maybe that's not completely ideal for our aspirations here, particularly for Daryl Henderson. But at the same time, Henderson has such an ingrained workhorse role anyway that he's going to get his pretty much no matter what. And we saw that come to fruition in this game. 16 carries, four catches, one of which went for a score if we can get situations where Stafford is having to push for 40 pass attempts versus the 30 attempts that we were seeing more weeks than not earlier in the year, that could be what's going to allow Cup and then OBJ and Jefferson to rise. Like that's what was wrong with Robert Woods early on in the year. Cup was dominating the target share, but also Stafford didn't have to throw that much because they were beating the piss out of teams. So all those factors could make OBJ, Van Jefferson solid starts more weeks than not here moving forward, particularly in week 13 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Matthew Stafford, 302 yards, three touchdowns. I was joking around uh with PFF George before I got out of the studio today saying, like, we might need to come up with a stack called, like, the Stafford, like, bad 300 plus yard and three touchdown performances because that's what it felt like out there man so i'm gonna do some digging on that i want to use those uh, totals and then like look at a pff passing grade under 70 because he hit the two deep balls but it was just a struggle bus largely other than that so it took a pair of sacks had an interception in there also put the ball on the ground and lost a fumble so he's playing through the pain you know obviously he's apparently he's been playing through the pain all year Dwayne, but they waited until uh, week 12 to really let anyone know after all the struggles had uh, come to fruition a little bit more. So either way, we're still loving Cup. I mean, this is a down game for him and the dude had seven catches for 96 yards. He hit that mark again. Dude, this is crazy. So I know like seven catches for 90 yards is an arbitrary cutoff, but he's hit that in almost every game this year. So I looked up how many like examples of this have happened. Cooper Cup now has 10 games this year with at least seven catches and 90 yards. That's already the fourth most ever. And we're only done with week 12 here. Like we had 2014, Antonio Brown get 12 such games. 2015, Julio and 2019, Michael Thomas had 11. Cooper Cup is not just the wide receiver one this year. He is putting together historic numbers and I'm sure he'll continue to do so down the stretch. He did come down with a two-point conversion in this. So even though he's held outside the end zone with touchdowns, he did find his way there anyway. With the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, really the opposite of Stafford here. It was 307 yards and two touchdowns, and it felt like it could have been so much more. I wouldn't call them big drops. Like, we have some of these shishas that are truly brutal. Not so much with these. I mean, we had MVS deep downfield for a potential 50-yarder, and Rodgers got it in his hands, but there were two defenders right there, and he took a pretty hard hit. So it would have been an amazing catch from MVS. And also, Alan Lazard had a potential 11-yard score bounce off his hands. Once again, though, he had a big hit on so it wasn't exactly a situation where we expect him to come down with that 10 times out of 10. Dwayne, you called it out on the preview saying Randall Cobb could have a sneaky big game. And boy, did he. 95 yards and a score looking more loose than he has really all year long. Devontae Adams continued to do his usual thing. Eight catches. Yeah, and Cobb got hurt. Yards. He didn't even play the second half. <laughs> did not realize that.
1: Good <laughs> yeah. note there. Yeah, four um, for 95 and a T in the first half. Lurk could have been. so no, just remember come. this against the rams they run all that cover six cover four match cover two all that stuff and so it's just i think there's just this opportunity for some of these underneath you know receivers especially if you've got a quarterback like rogers it's like i'll take whatever you give me
0: that certainly helps matters uh, two more quick things on the rams before we go over to the main event here so um beckham was playing through a lower back injury seemed to be hobbling around in and out obviously he still had 10 targets but just something to keep an eye on throughout the week we already know he's playing through the torn labrum in his shoulder obviously we would prefer not to have a back injury on top of that and there was a sheesh with the rams here they dialed up a trick play where stafford threw it behind the line the cooper cup who then went deep to van jefferson came down with a nice 25 yard touchdown. Unfortunately, just barely missed getting the second foot in. So Jefferson's total actually could have been far bigger, while Cup could have had that, you know, awfully random wide receiver touchdown pass. But now, Dwayne, for the main event, we had Aaron Jones get back in action here, play through the pain. A.J. Dillon really continued to keep control of the backfield, though. I fully get that Aaron Jones, you know, playing out less than 100%, wasn't probably rushed back into the lineup in order to be the featured guy. At the same time, Dwayne, A.J. Dillon, as a rusher and receiver, has looked pretty damn good over the next few weeks. We might need to be getting both these guys in our top 24 here once the Packers, I believe they have a bye next week. Once they get back uh, into action, it's going to be tough to keep either Dillon or Jones out of fantasy lineups.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just a quality offense, and you get in both guys touches. So, I agree, and, and we'll see. I think, you know, I think when fully healthy, Aaron Jones just has a slightly larger role because he's just better in the passing game. I know some of the metrics say, oh, AJ Dillon's just as good, but there's just no routes. Jones, is Jones is better. Yeah, there's just routes and things that Jones can can do, or that he can run, that really aren't in AJ Dillon's wheelhouse. Not to say that AJ Dillon's not good, like at the things he does. Um, But I think you could argue that A.J. Dillon should have a a larger role in short down and distance moving forward, right? Early in the season, we saw really all the stuff inside the five go to Aaron Jones. Maybe more of that should go to A.J. Dillon. You know, he's certainly done enough to earn, you know, touches in some way, shape or form that are above what he was getting early in the season. Um, today you didn't see Aaron Jones much in the fourth quarter, only six snaps versus thirteen um, for Dylan. Um, you looked at it in the first half, everything was a little bit closer, but as the game went on, they did lean more to Dylan. And I think he just, you know, I don't know if it's a health thing, but at the end of the day, I thought, you know, Dylan just looked better, right, than Aaron Jones today, um, especially on the ground. But in the first half, it was 26 snaps for Jones and 14 for Dylan. But by the end of the day, they were almost even, 52 percent to Jones, 48 percent to Dylan. Uh, If you look at the rushing attempts, 52% to AJ Dillon and 42% to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones did keep the one, the two-minute offense. He played 100% of those snaps, and 64% of the long down and distance versus 36% for Dillon. So really, what you had was um, Dillon getting slightly more in the rushing game, and then you had really Jones getting around. You know, and I think this we could see this. We could see Jones being more of a 40 to 45%. Of the attempts guy but getting more of the passing down work and just basically handling all that and we could see dylan i mean we saw times you know where that was the case with jamal williams before and that's the way they split the backfield so that could be something we see down the stretch and if that's the case it's going to make both of them startable to your point um, nothing else on the Packers. I mean, Devontae Adams, you know, obviously dom- continuing to dominate. Randall Cobb was only out there for 29% of the routes. He did that on 29% of the routes, averaging 6.79 uh, yards per route run today. Good job, Randall Cobb. Uh, Hopefully you get healthy and come back for the next game. But for now, it's going to be, we've seen two weeks in a row now where MVS really is the number two guy, uh, 78% of the routes, and then Lazard was at 71%. He might not have had as many today because really he and Cobb are the two that rotate uh, in the slot. Like If you look at uh, Lazard, 55% of his routes today come from the slot. 86% of Cobbs were from the slot. On the Rams side of the ball, Daryl Henderson, uh, elite utilization again, 81% of the snaps, 80% of the rushing attempts. He had 71% of the two-minute offense, 63% of the long down and distance. So a couple of weeks ago, there was a little bit of a concern, and we could never tell for sure because of the way the in- – Henderson gets hurt every game. So you don't know how much of something's tied to him being hurt and being knocked out of a series versus a role change. But we thought there was a potential chance that Sony Michelle was kind of growing his role a little bit and Michelle's involved. He's handling about 20%, you know, the snaps, but we're not really seeing anything saying that Henderson's getting anything less than what he was early in the season. So he continues to look good um, getting involved in the passing game. That's where he got his touchdown today. And then Cooper cup, Odell Beckham, Van Jefferson, so all of them out there for nearly 100% of the routes. 98% to Cup, 98% to OBJ, 100% to Van Jefferson, and so just kind of looking at the way they're layering the field, um, average depth of target for Cup was a 9, Beckham was a 12, that's really more of the Robert Woods role, Van Jefferson 19, so really the field stretching role. 33% of Van Jefferson's targets were over 20 yards down the field. Uh, He also did get to move, they moved him around a lot, though, too. He got to operate from the slot 63% of those routes. He had nine targets, hauled in three of them for 93 yards. OBJ, nine targets, five receptions, 81 yards, one touchdown. 22% of OBJ's targets were also 20 yards or more down the field. So, yeah, I agree. I think this is really the way they're going to attack is with these three receivers. Tyler Higby was out there for 90% of the routes. Did have five targets, but only one of them turned into a reception, and it was just for three yards. And he actually went outside of his block instead of inside or it could have been a nice screen, uh, tight end screen play. It probably would have went for further. And we've actually seen that a few times from Higby this year. Um, not only not being able to capitalize on the routes that are out there, but actually some of the targets he gets like just, you know, he's had some bad drops. He's just it's an all it's been an all around bad storm for Higby, um, you know, pretty much on the season, despite the fact that he's seeing 90 percent of the
0: routes. People, That's going to wrap up this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. couple notes, though, before we get out of here. Truly, if you have enjoyed this podcast, any of the work we brought to you this year, is I invite you to get 40% off any PFF subscription and use code CYBER40. Look, this is what you want if you want to be a smarter football and fantasy football uh, fan. And, you know, hopefully, listening to all these podcasts, you have just wrapped up so many championships by now. You got a little extra cash in your pocket. Don't be afraid to get all PFF's Locked Article content weekly player ranking, strength of schedule for every fantasy player, betting dashboards, and so much more. You know, we got Dwayne's utilization report, one of the best articles in the business. This guy almost came to work last Friday on his wife's birthday. We had to all tell him to shut the hell up and go be a family man. That's how hard he's working. You guys know I'm out here each and every day. I just I wrote 1,500 freaking words on my review sheet just to get ready for this podcast. Should probably turn that into an article. But either way, we're out here grinding. I want to be prepared for you all. Andrew's on here. He's doing eight articles a week. We got Nathan Yonke again, finishing as a top five fantasy pros ranker, Kevin Cole, always doing great stuff with the unexpected points podcast and the mastermind behind all of our projections. So truly, you know, if I'm not asking you to go just buy something that you're not going to get any value out of, the goal is you go get the subscription, use code cyber 40, go make even more money and go be smarter than you already were before. So again, promo code cyber 40 for 40% off any PFF sub that is promo code cyber 40. Also, want to give a shout out to our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is free fantasy football league manager, is the most customizable, easy to use, and feature rich platform in the entire industry. P- PFF is playing our leagues on Fantrax this season. You can set up your leagues exactly the way you want. No kickers, no DST, add more flex spots, any of that, no problem at all. And guess what? We know football is almost over. We got fantasy hockey, fancy basketball, all that going on and more. I'm sure fancy baseball for too long. So again, Fantrax, they are giving away signed jerseys to a few lucky fans, so sign up now at fanchacks.com slash PFF to be eligible. Again, that's fanchacks.com slash PFF. And also, DraftKings football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you will be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet $1 on any team to score on $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code PFF. This week at Jackney Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers, only minimum $5 deposit, $1 wage, or one per customer. Chicken's applies to jackney.comslash sports for your details. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler. And folks, whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies. Western starters teaming up with PF's very own Chris Collins, where they share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. You can submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash ask Chris and then hear the answers either on the Chris Collinsworth podcast or Western Southern's Instagram. One more time, that is westernsouthern.com slash ask Chris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember, Western Southern, you can rest assured on game day. Dwayne, we got a riveting AFC North game at halftime Ravens six, Browns three, interceptions all over the place. We're going to go catch up to that. Anything else you want to go off your chest? No, man. So talk to you tomorrow. tomorrow. Good stuff as always, and I will talk to you tomorrow. We'll be back each and every day as we always have been throughout the season. So hope you enjoyed this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Until next time, take care, everybody.